Welcome to Anil Arana Live. These podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana, recorded live during his missions around the world. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.holyspiritinteractive.org or www.anilarana.com today. How's everybody doing? Good. You know, for the past week, there's been this one song that's been kind of running through my mind uh, without stopping. And it goes something like this. You might know it. Your steadfast love, O Lord, never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. Do you know that then? Then what next? They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness, or God. Now, we're going to sing this song, and I'm going to ask Olivia and the choir to basically just sing it for us, because the theme of the talk today is about God's mercies that are new every morning, and about the faithfulness of God, and about His love, and all about the wonderful things that God is. Okay? Ready? All right. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning, great is life. Nice song. As I was thinking about this song, singing it in my keynote most of the time, um, I got to wondering where this particular passage came from because it is a passage of tremendous hope. You know, especially for those who are down, for those who are depressed, for those who are low, for those who are struggling, for those who are being tempted. There was tremendous hope in this passage. And then I discovered it came from the book of Lamentations, which was quite a miserable book, written by the weeping prophet. Do you know who that is? Jeremiah. He wrote the book of Lamentations, and this particular chapter, you know, really makes the book, we get an idea where this Lamentations comes from, because he's lamenting from the beginning to the end. And I want to read that to you. And as I read this to you, I want you to relate it to your lives, okay? Because in this one chapter, I'm telling you, the prophet speaks about every single thing that is wrong with humankind. He seems to have gone through all of it in one single session, and I am sure that you will relate to at least one or two things in this. Are you ready for the word of God? I'm not going to ask you to stand up because it is quite long, but listen. 
Jeremiah writes, I am a man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. What does he feel? He feels, he feels God is angry with him. Now this is a condition that is true for many of us. We sometimes think that God might be angry with us. And then he goes on. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. And here is another way we find ourselves identifying with the prophet because many of us sometimes feel that we're walking in darkness. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. And here the prophet feels God is against him. There are many times that we in our lives feel that God is against us as well. I have felt that at times that God might be against me because things are not working in my life the way they should. Then he goes on. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. Here he's feeling physical pain. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. Here he feels mental affliction. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. He feels trapped. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He feels his prayers are not being answered. He has barred my ways with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. He feels blocked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me. He feels tortured. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He feels singled out. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. He feels heartbroken. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He feels persecuted. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. He feels beaten. He feels defeated. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. He feels like a loser. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. He feels depressed. Yet, yet, he's gone through all of this. One man. These are what one man has felt. He has gone through all of this, but then he writes these words. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that brings us to the song that we just sang. I want verses 22 and 23 to remain on the screen because these are the verses that I'm going to talk about tonight. And I hope that it doesn't matter what our affliction might be. We will leave here with those afflictions taken care of by God. But before I speak about the hope, I need to speak about the affliction. There are five principles about afflictions. All the afflictions that you just went through, afflictions that you have faced at one point in your life or another, afflictions that you might be going through at this very moment in time, and afflictions that quite possibly you will go through because principle number one is all afflictions are guaranteed. 
You will go through them. You have to go through them. That is part and parcel of life. Jesus himself said, I think it was John chapter 16 verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. He also says, and I think I quoted this last time I was here, he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will look after itself. Worry about today because today has enough problems of its own. And most of us know that we are going through something or the other just like Jeremiah did. There's one more principle about afflictions. Afflictions are unpredictable. We don't know when your affliction is going to come about next. You might be sailing in this boat that is really smooth and beautiful. And the next moment, this boat might collapse. You might get a mail from somebody. You might get a message from somebody. Somebody might drop into your house. You might meet with an accident. Somebody might fall sick. You might get into a major fight. And what happens? Affliction strikes you. You can't say, I'm going to have an affliction tomorrow. You can't say, I'm not going to have an affliction tomorrow. You might have come here in peace. You might have come here thinking you're on top of the world. Within the next 24 hours, you might have a disaster in your life and everything around you is shaken. There's one more principle about affliction. Afflictions are impartial. Now, one of the things that I hear about most often is that I'm a good person. Why is this happening to me? Have you said that at times in your own lives? You look at the world around you and you see all the bad people seeming to enjoy themselves. But then here you are, somebody who's faithful to God, somebody who's doing everything that is supposed to be done, and yet you're suffering more than anyone else in the world out there. But the fact of the matter is everybody suffers. The bad suffer with the good. Affliction does not show any partiality towards people. The fourth principle about affliction though, and this is a good thing, is that afflictions are temporary. There is a season for them. And sometimes a season might last for a very long time. But the fact is, they have a season and the season will eventually come to an end. We need to take hope from this. That whatever we might be going through at this particular moment in time is going to end. It is not going to last forever. If you're not having an affliction, the peace is not going to last forever. If you're not having any problems now, that is not permanent. It is not going to last forever. Just like that is temporary, however, the problems in your life is also temporary. And if you are going through any difficulty in your life at this particular moment in time, understand there will come a time when it will cease. Now this brings us to a question. Why do we need to go through these afflictions and the reason is quite simply because it brings about within us perseverance it's only when we come across trials does our faith increase now if you look at your lives at this particular moment in time and if everything is going well I'll tell you one thing everything's cool you don't really need God nothing is really tested it is very easy to have faith but the moment that is tested, the moment that comes under attack, the moment you start to struggle, what happens? What happens? 
you begin to question a whole lot of things. You begin to see, where am I going with this? So all these are afflictions, five principles. Can we go through them one more time? Can we go through them quickly on the screen? One, they are guaranteed, inevitable, right? There's no way you conduct them. They are part of the human condition and you will go through them too. Unpredictable. You don't know where they're going to come from. You don't know how it's going to hit you. The only thing you can be certain of, it is going to hit you. Three, impartial. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how good a life you lead. The fact is you are going to get struggles. You are going to face difficulties. You are going to find yourself in a pit every now and then. And sometimes you might think that pit is so deep you cannot get out of it. Four, this is the good news, okay? That it doesn't matter how difficult your situation might be. Difficulties have a season and eventually you will get out of it. And principle number five. Purposeful. There's a reason for the afflictions that we go through. And the main purpose is that they are a test of your faith. They're also a test of your character. Actually, they're a test of a whole lot of things. Now we come to Jeremiah and how he discovered a way to get out of whatever he was getting out. I need to read this to you again and I need you to pay very close attention because if you truly understand this, you can get through every situation in your life. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There are four points over here I want us to keep in mind. Point number one, God loves you so much. I've done this before. How much does God love you? Not so much. How much? Ah, that's better. How much does God love you? So much. What does that mean in real terms? Do you sin? Any of you? Yeah. Some of you? All of you? Yes. Why are you laughing like that? Not you, your husband sins, right? <laughs> you know, when we go for confession, most of the time, you know what we do? We're confessing our spouse's sins. I'm not kidding you. I had a priest who told me this. You know, 50% of every person who comes to me, if they're married, They'll say, you know, my husband did this. I don't want to know what your husband did. I want to know what you did. So everybody here sins, okay? Could God strike you dead? Should God strike you dead? No, no, let's, let's, let's. I need you to understand. Uh, this is uh, just a very different talk where I think God wants to do something very special with you today. What he wants to do, I don't know, but I know he wants to do something special. Could God strike you dead? Should God strike you dead? Could God strike you dead? He could because he's God. Should God strike you dead? Yes, because you're a sinner. Get it straight. Both the answers are yes. Could God strike you dead? God could because he is God. Should God strike you dead? Yes, because you're a sinner. The wages of sin is so God could right now at this very moment in time. He could. Yet he doesn't. Why? 
How much? How much? Okay, he needs to know that you believe that. Do you ever wonder about the terrorists in the world? Like, for instance, these ISIS guys are going around with guns in their hands and all kinds of things. Could God strike them dead? Should God strike them dead? Why? He should keep you alive, but he should strike them dead. I told you I'm going to get you today. I'm in that kind of mood. God keeps you alive, right? God gives you chance after chance, right? Why? So if you ever wonder in your heart why God is not doing anything to these people, it is for the same reason he's not doing anything to us. Because just like he loves us, he loves them too. And we need to understand that. Because God's love is how much? Then, His compassions never fail. You know, we sang about his mercies never failing. Mercies, compassion, same thing. Now, if you were to run compassions in a spell check, the dictionary would come and say there is no word called compassions. They'll say you have an extra S over that. Yet, there is an extra S over that, and that is because God wants you to know his compassion is limitless. It's like a wave that just comes and pours out over you. Now, you have compassion for people? You do? When you see a little wounded puppy, you feel sad for it, right? And you want to take care of it, right? If you met someone who was hurt, would you want to take care of him? To the limit that you could, yes? If you saw somebody in trouble, somebody in pain, you'd want to reach out to him, right? If you saw somebody struggling with sin, you would say, let me help you come out of that. You wouldn't kick him in the mud, right? Because you have compassion in your heart. Now, God has compassions without limit. So it doesn't matter what you do and it doesn't matter how many times you do it. Whenever God looks at you, the only way he's capable of looking at you is with this heart that hurts. With this heart that wants to say, hey, I want to help you get out of whatever you're in, whatever struggle, whatever problem, whatever addiction, whatever sin, I want to get you out of that. That is the kind of compassion that we're talking about over here. We need to understand that because a lot of us don't understand it. I get people who used to come to me for counseling. I've recently stopped doing it. And I had this couple who came a couple of weeks ago and the man said, I think God is punishing me and he's not blessing me because of the things that I have done wrong. I spoke to him first and then I spoke to his wife. And his wife kind of said the similar thing. So what do they have in their mind? They have in their mind that God is angry with them because of the things they have done. And he's withholding his blessings from them. And what they think is something that a lot of us sitting over here think as well. We think we're not being blessed. We think we're going through struggles. We think we're going through difficulties because God has something against us. And this is why I read to you what I read to you from Jeremiah. Jeremiah also felt the same thing. God is angry with me. God is annoyed with me. God is upset with me. God is doing this and God is doing that. He's casting arrows at me. He's making my ways crooked. He's doing all these things for me. Until Jeremiah finally said, I remember all these things. I remember all my afflictions. But more than that, I remember something else. 
I remember the truth about God and the things that God has done for me in my life. You know, when I was 22 years old, I tried to kill myself. It's not something I've kind of spoken about ever. I don't think I've ever mentioned it. But I was so depressed and so lonely and the world seemed like such a dirty place to be in. I sliced my wrist and I can still see that image of that blood just spurting out there, just kept coming and coming and coming in. I remember looking at that blood thinking, so this is how it's gonna end, not feeling anything. Just kind of in a way glad that it was going to be over. Obviously I didn't die, uh, but before I continued, I started seeing a doctor for help. And when I was with the doctor, he told me to think about a happy moment I had in my life. And I couldn't think of any happy moment. 22 years and I couldn't think of a single happy moment because even the happy moments that I had were clouded with bad moments. And I told him that. I said, I don't have any happy moments. And he said, that cannot be. That cannot be. Think of something that made you happy. And I continued to think. And with every moment that was a little bit happy, there was this moment that was very sad. And then he said, listen, you're focusing on the wrong thing. And this is what I need to tell you here. Every thing that I've gone through, there's a lesson in it. That we very often focus on the wrong thing. And what I was doing was focusing on the sad moments, the painful moments, rather than the happy moments that I had gone through in my life. And this is what the prophet Jeremiah also is telling us. He remembers. He remembers the darkness. He remembers the times when he thought God was angry with him. He remembers his physical affliction. He remembers his mental affliction. He remembers all this bitter, bitter thoughts. And we also have them, sometimes about God. Sometimes we think God is to blame for the mess that we're in. But then he says, start thinking about the good things that God has done. And God has done so many good things in our lives. Think about the times when you smile. Think, think about the miracles that he's worked. Think about the blessings that he's poured out. And when you think about all these things, what happens? Your focus shifts from the bad on to the good. And then he says, God is faithful. And this is something I really need us to understand because sometimes we think God is unfaithful. Why? Because we are unfaithful. Many years ago, I think that was in 1988, there was an earthquake in Armenia and a school building collapsed. There were about 14 people who were not discovered because they were under this rubble. And the father of one of the kids went and he kept trying to remove uh, everything that surrounded this. The other parents came and said, don't do that, you'll only make things worse. But this father said, I'm not listening to you. And he continued to remove all the debris that surrounded it. Morning passed, afternoon came, afternoon passed, evening came. Now even the firemen were kind of giving up because it was getting late, it was getting dark, they needed to go. So they tried to persuade this father, leave it be. You're not going to be able to save anybody because everyone is there, dead. This father said, I'm not giving up. And he continued, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 
three o'clock, just removing the rubble. And about four o'clock in the morning, he suddenly heard this voice saying, Dad, is that you? The man was so happy that his son was alive. And he said, son, come out. And the son said, And the son said, no, take my friends out first. So bit by bit, this son of his helped the other children come out. And then at the end, this boy came out. When the father was driving him home, he asked the son, were you not afraid? And the boy said, no, I wasn't afraid because I knew you would come for me. And this is the way our father is. You know, that man, we think that he's faithful to his son. Because of his actions, he saved 14 people. But our father is far more faithful than that. And our father knows when we are struggling. Our father knows when we are trapped. Our father knows the difficulties that we're in. And I'm telling you, he's there, taking out the rubble, even as we're speaking now. He knows the problems you're going through. He knows how much you've been just imprisoned by life sometimes, imprisoned by addictions, imprisoned by bad relationships, imprisoned by so many things. And you're over there in the darkness. I sometimes think about how this boy must have felt. Whole thing comes around you and sometimes that is what life is about. We learned about that, afflictions. It is inevitable. It's going to happen to us. We never know. It's unpredictable. We never know when the roof is going to come down over our heads. We never know when we're going to be trapped. Trapped in something we want to get out of, but how do you get off? And there you are in the darkness because you can't see anything. And you're waiting for the sound of rescue. You can hear the sound of voices. You can hear people saying, there is no use. Let's leave them and go away. You can hear somebody trying to dig you out, but other people are trying to say, it's hopeless. These people are dead. You can hear all these things around you and the hours pass and you wonder, is something going to happen? And then all of a sudden, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. The situation is temporary, no matter what the situation is, because out there is not a human being. Out there is somebody who loves you so much. When I say that over and over again, I don't think people understand it, which is why I keep repeating myself that your father loves you so much. You know, I know you, some of you just a little bit. I would do almost anything for you, but I know that anything is limited. But then we have our father who when he says he will do anything, he means he will do anything. And his faithfulness is guaranteed. His faithfulness is real. Before that, he says his mercies are new every morning. What does that mean? New every morning. That nothing is carried over from the past. Morning is used metaphorically. I was thinking a lot about this over the last 24 hours. The darkness is the darkness when we turn away from God. The darkness is the darkness that we sometimes walk into. And the moment we turn back, the moment we turn around, that God is saying, I've forgotten everything. Everything is new. You know, one of the best scenes in the Passion of the Christ, a scene I will never forget, is when Jesus is walking on the hill to his death. And then his mother comes. His mother comes and looks at his bloody face. His mother comes, sees that cross he's carrying. His mother looks at all the jeering around him. And his heart is moved with pity for her son. But you know, he says something beautiful to her. He says, see mother, I make all things new. And that is the beauty of our faith. That is the beauty of our love. Sometimes I think we struggle unnecessarily. Sometimes I think we walk in the darkness unnecessarily. Sometimes I think all we need to do, and this is the truth, all we need to do is turn away from the darkness into the light and everything is made new. 
In the Old Testament, God said, I will send manna from heaven. And every single day, he sent fresh manna. If people tried to store that manna for the next day, they would find it rotten. And that was God saying, don't look at tomorrow. What I give you for today is enough for today. And what I give you for today is the best of what you can expect. And the problem with us is we keep trying to eat yesterday's manna. We keep trying to store yesterday's blessings. For what purpose? For what point? Every day his mercies are new. Every day his blessings are new. And every day he will give you what you need for the day. You need more, he will give you more. You need new things, he will give you new things. But the problem with us is a lack of faith, is a lack of understanding this tremendous love. For the last three times I've been speaking about God and how his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his ways are higher than our ways. But the, you know what? We make God like us. We think that God thinks like us. We think that God acts like us. We think that God doesn't forgive as we don't forgive. We think that God keeps in his memory every single wrong thing that we do because that is what we do with other people. But God is not like that. And we really need to get to know that. We really need to understand that love. Because I'm telling you, I'm tired of telling people that God loves them because I don't think we get it. Because if we got it, our lives would be so different. Our lives would be so much changed. Our lives would be just filled with love for one another. I want you to really look at the person next to you. Don't, not, don't turn and look. Just think of the person sitting next to you. If it's a spouse, well and good. If it's not a spouse, just think about what that person might be going through at this moment in time. Right here. Half an hour back, you shook his or her hand. That person smiled at you. Said, God is here, I'm here. Was there pain behind that smile? Was there unhappiness behind that smile? What is that person hiding behind that mask of everything is okay with me? Sometimes I think if any of you could see my life for the past year, what would you make of me? Somehow when people stand here, they seem so perfect, don't they? What if I could look at you? Really look at you? The last year, this year, it's almost come to an end. And see your lives. Just flashing in front of my eyes. Like a picture, like a movie. What would I see? I'll tell you what I'd see. I'd see pain, I'd see tears, I'd see loneliness, I'd see emptiness, I'd see anger, I'd see rage. I'd see so many things that you wouldn't want anyone in the world to see. The person sitting next to you, what are they going through now? What trap are they in? Would you get them out? Like that father got his son out. Or would you say, no, he's not my son. 
She's not my sister. She's not my mother. He means nothing to me. Because I'm telling you, the person next to you is in pain. Now, now, right now, so much of pain. We all pretend. What about sin? If I could look into your life, forget about a year, the last one month, I could see the texts you send people, the WhatsApp messages you sent, the telephone conversations you had. face-to-face meetings, what would I see? It's a good thing I can't. It's a good thing the people next to you can't because it's terrible, really terrible. But somebody can see and somebody does see and that's God. And why am I telling you this? Not to frighten you. He could strike you down for the things that you did. Do you know what he feels? He feels like that father felt knowing his son was under that rubble, wanting only one thing, to get him out. And when he sees you, that's the only thing he wants to do, to get you out. But then I think, how? How? We were talking about this today. We talk about important things during our prayer time. We're there with Jesus, but we're talking about things. And I was thinking about people, am I boring you? You sure? This is not my usual style of preaching. I haven't shouted at you in the last 10 minutes. You know, I mean, I could. If I see you, those yawns coming on, um, I will. Yeah, but no, you're, you're listening, so I'm grateful for that. We were talking about people who are addicted. And I was sharing my own story with them, how God took away my habit of addiction, of alcohol, just like that. He took away my habit uh, of smoking, just like that. It's, and I said he did a lot of that with me, but one thing he didn't take away, and that was my anger. He let me go through it, you know, and I used st- to have a terrible, terrible, horrible anger. It, it used to last only for two or three minutes, but those two or three minutes were dangerous for anybody next to me and very often people in my household used to just take everybody and go out till I cool down. Um, There was one time I got so angry I remember picking up the sofa and this is a long heavy thing and I don't know it just came in my hands like that and that is the kind of anger I had and I thought God would take it away like he took away everything else but he didn't do that. He didn't do that. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I fasted and I did just about everything I could to stop that anger, but it didn't go away. Until one day I locked myself in my prayer room for a week. No food, no water, water I did. No food, nothing, just the word of God. And I said, when I left that prayer room, Lord, if I ever get angry again, I'm gonna go out into the desert for a week. Um, And that was the last time for a long, long time I lost my temper. But it wasn't that promise that I made. It was God's grace. And I wondered, why does God's grace flow sometimes and doesn't flow other times and I realize sometimes he wants to see the condition of your heart does an alcoholic really want to get rid of his alcohol does somebody who's addicted to porn really want to get rid of porn does somebody who's caught in some kind of trap do they really want to break free because I am convinced of this 
that if we truly want to break free, God will personally come and kind of take those chains apart like that. And then I wonder, and then I wonder why people are still chained, why people are still trapped. God wants to set you free here tonight. God wants to bless you here tonight. And when I say these things, I mean, I mean he really wants to bless you tonight more than ever before. You're the one blocking those blessings. Because God is faithful. He cannot not be faithful. And when we speak about faithfulness, I need to speak about three things concerning faithfulness. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to go through them very quickly. One, he's faithful when we struggle. We just heard a long thing about what Jeremiah said. He's this, 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 this. But in the end, he says, God is faithful. Why? Because I know that God will take me out of this. Because his love is huge. His mercies, they are new every day. And his compassion is simply without end. And then... Is faithful when it comes to sin and temptation. Have you been tempted lately? Don't tell me no. Yes. But even there, God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted more than you can bear. And this is something we need to keep in mind whenever we're tempted. We sometimes say this is unbearable. But I'll tell you what is unbearable. What makes it unbearable is simply looking at the temptation and thinking how beautiful it is when all you need to do is to stop looking at the temptation and turn to God. It is as simple as that, but the problem, and this is where you will admit is true, whenever you're tempted, the last person in the world you want to look at is God. When, you want to, when you're tempted, you just want to look at our, you remember the apple? Beautiful, isn't it? You just kind of go drooling over that apple. And God is saying, worm inside the apple, poison inside the apple. Oh, that's so nice. Yes or no? Suddenly you get this desire to watch pornography on the computer. What is God saying? Don't go. You know you're not going to hate this afterwards. You know it's not going to be any good for you, right? Don't watch it. Don't watch it. And I'm not listening. I'm not listening. You will go. You sit in front of the computer. You will not listen to God. You will not even want to look at God. You will just look at whatever you want to look at. Do whatever you want to do and then feel disgusted, miserable. Turn to God. What does God do? He doesn't say, I told you not to do it. He just says, come here. This is what I mean about the compassions of God never ceasing. Look at anything that you do. God tells you, don't do it, but you will look at the temptation. You will let it draw you in. You will give in to it and then you will feel miserable and bad about it. And then God is finally faithful when it comes to cleaning up our messes. I think it is John in his first letter, he said, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just. He will forgive your sins and restore your righteousness. And that is what he's saying he wants to do here today. You know, when we started here tonight, um, nothing was working, really nothing. We got the keyboard without the plug. We got the laptop without the cable. Um, how we got set up is only because I said, God, I'm speaking about your faithfulness here today. It's going to be very awkward if you're not faithful. <laughs> two minutes, two minutes before we were to start, we got the cable for um, 
uh, your keyboard and we got the cable for um, the laptop two minutes before we start. How do you be faithful to God? I want you to simplify it to the basic essence because I want you to be happy. I don't want you to have to come to meetings like this with burdens in your heart. I don't want you to return to your homes. Not talking to your husbands or your kids or your parents. I don't want you to live lives that are, that are sick and sad. <clears throat> and I realize there's one secret and it is so simple. Turn away from the darkness into the light and stay in the light. And how do you stay in the light? Stay with Jesus. It is brainless. I'm telling you it is brainless. As long as you're with Jesus, nothing can touch you. He doesn't say you're not going to go through struggles. I've already established that. But he said, I will be there with you in your struggles. And if he's not with you, you're going to be devastated. You're going to be destroyed. You will sit around with his happy faces. But you will be miserable inside. And I'm tired of seeing fake people in churches. Really I am. I'm tired of seeing people struggling with things when they don't have to struggle. Yes, there are some times we have to go through life. But why do we go through life so alone? Why do we go through life so empty? Why do we go through life so sad? This is not the way God intended for us to live. He's not the way he intended you to be. And it is simple. Stay with him. And what does that mean? Prayer. I'll tell you why we don't pray. Prayer is boring. Let's be honest. We discovered that also recently. How do you pray? You're bored. You come for a meeting over here and you hear the same thing over and over again. What's going to happen to you? You're going to be bored. And that's what God said to me. He said, do something different today. I said, what am I supposed to do that's different? I can't change me. I can't change the way I'm talking. He said, no, you can. Do something different so that they don't expect to hear the same thing again. Make it real for them. Identify with them. Talk about their lives. Talk about what they hide behind masks. Talk about their pain. Make them relate. Connect to the things you're talking about. And you have connected. But then having connected to what I'm talking about, I can't leave you on your own again. But here is the secret and here is the key. Just stay. Imagine this is Jesus. Just stay with him. Don't leave his hand. I mean, just hold him and just stay with him. You want to pray. How do you pray? In a way that is not boring. This guy is Sanju. He's, he's a friend of mine. He's not the best friend I have in the world, but he's a friend of mine. Now let's imagine he's my best friend. I can go and tell him anything. I can go and be myself with him. Now the thing with God is, and prayer, I need to tell you this. I'm going to go over time. Do you mind? I can, I can pray. There are moments I want to sit down and I don't want to say a thing. You know what? It's fine with God. The times I tell him, I, I, I don't have anything to say to you and I don't want to talk to you. That's fine with him because he likes reality. He likes real people. He doesn't like people who come over there and sit and pretend. There are times I get very depressed and I know there is one secret of getting out of my depression that is to praise him. So I will start. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. But halfway through, I just don't have the heart to do it. So I will shut up my mouth. And I say, that's about it, Lord. It's fine with him. But there are times, there are times, and this is happening more and more often, 
is when I'm praying with him, I just let myself go. I talk about what's going on inside me and I really get it out. I say, I'm lonely, I'm miserable. I don't like what I'm doing anymore. I'm tired of talking to people, not understanding if my words have any impact in their lives or not. I have all these schools that I'm setting up, great stuff that is going on. But what happens to me after the schools? I'm exhausted and I'm tired of doing it. I don't want to do it. Find someone else to do it. I sit over there and I get it out with him. I tell him I'm lonely. I tell him I'm sad. I tell him I'm miserable. Not when I'm not, when I am. And he likes that honesty. You know, this is what you can do with a friend and should do with a friend. But what do you do? You're pretending with everybody, including God. If I was to pray to God now, you know what I pray? How I pray? Father, I see these faces looking at me with so much of hope. I've spoken about your word to them, Lord. I've spoken about Jeremiah, a man you loved, a man who loved you. Look at what he went through. Look at what he expressed to you. But in the end, Lord, he said, I remember. I remember all these things. I remember your faithfulness. I remember your goodness. I remember you're a God of immense love. But I look at my brothers and my sisters here and they don't feel that love. And sometimes I don't either. And what do we do when we don't feel that love? Where do we get it from, Lord? Sometimes we feel like that boy caught in the rubble and we know that you will take us out, but how long are we going to wait in the darkness before you set us free? I look at the faces of my brothers and sisters, yeah, and I see this hope, Lord. I know there's a season for everything. And I know this will pass, whatever it is they're going through. But you are our Father too. That Father didn't wait for his season to pass before he set his son free. He got on his knees and he dug and he dug and he dug. Everyone left, but he continued to dig. You are our father. And I don't want to be telling fairy tales to my brothers and sisters. I don't want to be talking to them about miracles that take place in other people's lives. I don't want to give them theories about how so much love I want them to feel. I want them to feel. They don't feel. I'm t- I know they don't feel. I know that some of them have never felt. Once. You did it with the youngsters, Lord. Last week. They're your children, small, innocent. I ask that you do it. 
with your other children slightly older today. I ask that you do it now. How you do it, I don't know. How you do it, I don't even care. But I know I've never been as honest in my prayers as I have been today. And I just want my brothers and my sisters to go home blessed, to go home healed, to go home delivered, to go home free. Your mercies are new every morning. Let them be new now. Let everyone feel newness of heart, newness of spirit, newness of mind, newness of emotions. Let them wake up tomorrow and say, this is a new world and all the things I've learned and heard about Jesus and this is, I make everything new. Let it happen here. Living water flowing Sweep away their pain Bring your healing to their hearts Help them love once again Living water flowing Sweep away their pain Bring your healing to their minds Give them hope once again Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, close your eyes, please. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 living water flowing. Can you gently reach out and hold the person? Hold the hand of the person sitting next to you. Gently, very gently. Keep your eyes closed. Hold it comfortably. Don't be awkward. Hold it comfortably. Pray for the person. Pray that God uses you as a channel of his peace. As a channel of his healing. As a channel of his love. So much of pain, I'm tired. So much of struggle. Just be a blessing. 
to those around you. Pray for them. Whatever love you have in your heart, whatever love, whether it's little, whether it's a lot, just imagine it flowing from you into the person next to you. Just bless them. Person might not be anyone to you, might not be anyone to you. You might not even know the person's name. It doesn't matter. Love the person now. It's love. It's all we need really in this world. I'm convinced of it. It's only love. We don't get it. We don't get it anywhere. Let's get a little bit of it today. Yeah. Fill those empty hearts. Ease troubled brow. Still that disturbed soul. Just hold, just hold, just hold. And as you give, be aware that you're receiving too. Feel your heart getting full. Feel your mind getting at peace. Feel your soul getting calm. This is real. God is real. His love is real. His compassions are real. His mercies are real. His faithfulness is real. And he's showing that to us here tonight. There are no fancy words. It's not been a great presentation. But it shows that he's there in the middle of everything. Forgotten cords, misplaced cables. A preacher has forgotten what he needs to say. Sound that might not be the best, even though it is pretty good today. That he's working. And he's working now. And I can feel it. I can feel the depression starting to lift. I can feel the relationship starting to mend. I can feel the peace starting to flow. And I know he's moving here in a new way but a very special way. Continue to love. Continue to love. Continue to bless. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Let there be love shed among us. Keep your eyes closed. We're going to sing this song as a prayer.
Let each other's hands go now.